Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Lots going on in the NFL, Perloff, but the world kind of stopped for a moment because we got some big Mm. news. And no, this wasn't, you know, where is Russell Wilson going to play next year? Whether Justin Fields is going to get traded. No, the world stopped for a moment because our friend and mentor, the one and only Peter King, announced that he was retiring from writing his weekly column yesterday. Yeah. This was a big moment. It was huge. I, I can't believe with all the things going on in sports, everybody I know texted me about this story. Nothing about the Bears <laughs> draft pick or who's running at the combine. Everyone's like, wow, did you see the Peter King news? Which I think is a testament to Peter. Okay, well, the man himself has agreed to join us today, fresh off the retirement news. Peter, congratulations. I would say uh, congratulations on a job done, because uh-huh. I know that's one of your favorite lines. But congratulations on an amazing career. How are you feeling this morning? Well, I feel great this morning, having my morning coffee, uh-huh. just finished my oatmeal and walnuts, <laughs> and uh, just relaxing a little bit here in Brooklyn. About to take the dog out for a good walk up to Prospect Park, and life is good. Well, then that, that means nothing's changed, and I don't even believe that you're actually yeah. retiring. But before we get to uh, you know your career and some of the amazing moments you've had over the years, you, you retired, and then you also kind of hit us with something else in that column, which was you believe that the winds are sort of swirling around the Bears trading the number one overall pick and sticking with Justin Fields. Uh Explain yourself, sir. I don't, I really don't know what's going to happen, Maggie. I think it could go either way. And I've not talked to Ryan Pohl, so I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm experienced enough at this to know that at this time of year, uh, that especially when you're about to go to the scouting combine and you believe strongly that there is a quarterback in this draft. And look, we all know that quarterback science is incredibly inexact. But if you believe there's a quarterback in this draft, I mean, last year, if you were Ryan Poles, you were looking at a 5'10 quarterback that you weren't sure was going to be able to transition to the NFL. You had the number one pick and C.J. Stroud, who was being dogged by a stupid uh, intelligence test, processing test, called the S2. So there wasn't quite the sure thing. And look, maybe Ryan Poles won't think that this quarterback is the sure thing either. And in my opinion, absolutely unequivocally, I think he should keep Justin Fields. 
And I think he should build his team. You know, I put a scenario in my column last week where essentially I believe that uh, Ryan Poles could end up with eight or nine picks in the top two rounds of the next two drafts if he trades the number one pick in this draft. And so you say, well, wait a second. That quarterback might really be good. And let's just say, Maggie, that the bird in the hand is a B quarterback, that Justin Fields is not ever going to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. Maybe one year he's eight. Maybe he averages out to be about 12. I don't know. But let's just say your quarterback is good enough and provides you with some great moments. Imagine if you have a team around him like the 2023 Kansas City Chiefs. And and to me, I would rather build a solid team around a good quarterback who might not be great than take a chance to get a quarterback who you think has a better chance to be great than Justin Fields, but that's and then you know basically take your chances with that guy. So to me, I'd hang on to Fields if I was Ryan Poles. Peter, we were looking back at your career over the last couple of days. A lot of people have looking back some great old columns. You've been writing since the early '80s, so you've seen the sure things in the draft. And Caleb Williams is one of those. Who's the ultimate over the years sure thing quarterback? Either that you were or people were telling you like this guy cannot miss. Well. I mean, one of my best memories and, you know, knowing where we are right now, one of my best memories as a writer for Sports Illustrated was taking uh, a VHS tape with 30 plays of Peyton Manning and 30 plays of Ryan Leaf and taking them around to six quarterback experts around the country. Uh, I took him to to Mike Shanahan, took it to Bill Walsh, took it to Phil Sims, to, took it to a couple of GMs. And I asked, took it to Sid Gilman, one of the greatest football coaches of all time in his dotage in Southern California. And I watched the tape and I asked them all to give me the quarterback who you would take if you had the first pick in the draft. And it was six to nothing for Peyton Manning. And I wrote about that. And I remember Bill Polian called and he wanted to know some of what the guys were saying and everything like that. But but here's what I remember about that. Coming back, writing this story and one of my editors at SI saying, are you sure? Are you sure? I said, why? He goes, because the world seems to like Ryan Leaf a little bit better. <laughs> I said, hey, there's nothing I can do about that. I'm just reporting <laughs> what these brilliant people said to me and it turns out I was right. But at the time, ESPN, the magazine, wrote a long story about how, in essence, you know, if the Colts pick uh, Peyton Manning, they'll be sorry. And so, you know, at the time, it looked like Ryan Leaf was the man. And obviously, we know how that turned out. Peter King is an award-winning journalist who announced that he is retiring from his weekly column. Yesterday, he made that announcement. He joins the show right now. Talk about quarterbacks, Peter. Who's the best one you've ever seen? Well, I'll answer that in two ways. Number one, the best one for winning 
and for leading and longevity without any question is Tom Brady. And I don't think anybody could really have a question about that. The best question, the best quarterback that I ever saw in terms of being able to dominate a game and make you lose your breath was Dan Marino. But mm. the best quarterback for modern times, best quarterback for modern times is Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think there's any question about that. And one of the things I marvel at with Mahomes, and I wrote about this in my column on fourth and one in the Super Bowl, you know, he had a play where he could do three different things. He could throw to Travis Kelsey running across the formation. Mm. He could throw to Rasheed Rice, basically finding a hole in the defense somewhere. And both of those guys were open enough. But you know what he did? He said, I'm taking this myself. Patrick Mahomes is the humble, but also he's the guy who was the best athlete in your high school, who when the basketball game was down mm. to the final seconds, you say, just give the ball to Joe mm. and let him let him make let him make something happen. He's the quarterback on your football team. Just give the ball to Joe. He'll make something happen. And that's exactly what Patrick Mahomes does. And the other thing that was great about that moment on fourth and one, I asked him, said, what's going through your mind in the huddle? You know, if, if you don't make a yard, mm. you lose the game. It's over. This is sudden death. As Sean Payton told me, this is match point. And Patrick Mahomes said, I never thought of that. I mean, and that's what great players do. They don't they don't clutter their heads with silly stuff that sports writers think. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, uh, we're having the director of the Dynasty on later about the Patriots, and you're all over this documentary. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Yeah, they should give you like royalties yeah. or something. You're uh, you're in this thing a lot. <laughs> but there's some mysteries that are not totally answered. You know, there's a lot uh, Spygate, Deflate Gate, Malcolm Butler. That it, there's some mysteries out there. What's the story that, since you've been covering the NFL? that you feel like you just did not get, that you wish you had gotten, the, that there's still truth out there that you haven't been able to discover or that other people haven't been able to discover? Well, uh, <clears throat> Andrew, probably the biggest mistake I made in my career that I regret to this day, and when I think about it, my heart sinks, is I confirmed the ESPN story about the deflated footballs after uh, Deflategate first hit the scene. It was a Monday night and I called two people who I was sure would know exactly what happened. And they both confirmed the ESPN story. And so I wrote it, talked about it, and it turns out I was wrong. And that brought me a lot of shame. And that I, that really bothers me to this day that I was wrong because it doesn't matter that who I talked to. It doesn't matter who uh, told me anything. It's my rear end on the line when I say something, when I confirm a story, and I was wrong. And that's something that will haunt me, really. It, uh, it bothers me, literally bothers me to this day. But having said that, I've always thought that in that case, that was Roger Goodell killing an ant with a sledgehammer. Because I wrote this at the time, that uh, Tom Brady for the previous 10 years had been allowed when he had home games, his equipment guys had control of the footballs. And when you go on the road, your equipment guys didn't have control of the footballs. 
And that had been happening for 10 years in the NFL since 2006. And I will never forget this. I sat, it took me about four hours one night. I figured out his, it didn't take me four hours, it took me a while. I figured out his passer rating in away games and in home games over that 10 year period. And it was something like 99.8 to 99.5. It was the same, it was the same. And what really ticked me off about that is that, you know, Roger Goodell commissions this study and the study says it's more likely than not that Brady had a role in uh, in these footballs being doctored with. Well, first of all, it didn't mean anything in the first place. And second of all, you don't have absolute proof that he did have something to do with it. That always really bothered me a lot, both ways. Me screwing it up, and I think the NFL screwing up the discipline. Well, but Peter, Peter King is joining us and announced that he's retiring from his uh, Football Morning in America column, his weekly column. He announced that yesterday, and he joins us now. Seems like your relationship with Brady, though, is fine. You went to his home in Montana, somewhere in Montana, uh, post-Super Bowl, and got to talk with him, and, and it seems like you guys are on good terms, you know, what can the, you just spend a lot of time with the Chiefs, right? And you're with Andy Reid, you're with Patrick Mahomes right after they win the Super Bowl, you know, just a couple weeks ago. The Chiefs are trying to go for a three-peat. What can the Chiefs learn from the Patriots, whether it's something they want to do the same way that New England did or do differently than New England did because New England is the last dynasty we had and the Patriot and the Chiefs are trying to be the next one? I think I would answer the question in a slightly different way, Maggie, in that I think the Chiefs have the answers to the test right now. And you know what the answer is? It's a guy who Chicago Bear fans probably still revile to this day. And that's Matt Nagy, the former head coach and now the offensive coordinator of Kansas City. And you know what he does for Andy Reid? He's his film nerd. He looks up plays in his massive file of plays that when your offense is in trouble and their offense was in a huge funk this year. And so what does Matt Nagy do? They're playing New England. They're struggling mightily on offense. And they had practiced this play that Matt Nagy had found that was 80 years old from the 40s from a Penn Columbia football game. And they had this weird formation. I'm watching, I was at the game and I'm watching the game and I'm saying, what is this? It's Patrick Mahomes lined up in a three point stance behind the guard. It's Jared McKinnon lined up as the quarterback and all these other players lined up, uh, you know, in different spots. And you can see the Patriots are doing this. They're looking all over the place. Bill Belichick prepares them tremendously, but unfortunately, Bill did not scout the uh, Penn Columbia game in 1942. <laughs> and that will haunt him. Uh, I mean, forever. that stupid yeah. Bill Belichick, right? <laughs> yeah. He didn't scout that game. And now here, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, totally in trouble on offense, run this play. It's the first touchdown of the game, and they go on to beat the, the, the Patriots. I only bring that up because, look, the Kansas City Chiefs, like New England, did not have a great wide receiver and did not have a great running back through most of their Super Bowl era. Over the last two years, the Chiefs don't have a 1,000-yard rusher. 
They don't have a thousand yard wide receiver. And yet they've won two Super Bowls and gone seven and zero in the playoffs since Tyreek Hill walked off campus. What's that all about? It's about winning with what you have and being smarter than the other teams. And right now that's what Kansas City is. Peter King is joining us here for a couple more minutes. Good enough to jump on the day after he announces that he's retiring after 40 plus years of covering the NFL. And Peter, you said when we were texting yesterday, what am I going to do? Well, (laughs) Perloff and I have come up with the top five things Peter King should do in his retirement. Are you ready for our top five? I'm ready. Let's have it. All right. Let's get the drum roll going. Number five, ayahuasca. (laughs) Oh, I can go to Peru and do ayahuasca (laughs) with with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. I think I would rather be in a pitch dark house for five days with Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Number four, you can begin the next 40 years of your career covering the XFL. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not covering spring football. Get out of here. I'm covering I I'm I'm gonna go to spring training in three weeks. Yeah. And that starts my retirement, quite honestly. <laughs> Number three on the list of five things Peter King should do in his retirement, become an honorary Kelsey brother. Yes, I could do that. You know <laughs> yeah. why? Because I'm wild and crazy and I am I am willing to take my shirt off <laughs> in front of eighty thousand people yeah. and pound my chest. The one thing I can't do, I can't leap into uh, into a luxury box, the way Jason Kelsey does. But yes, I'd be very good at that otherwise. Number two, switch to decaf, Peter. Hmm. I don't, I, hey, hmm. look, I have no caffeine after noon every day now, Maggie. So <laughs> this, this basically is it. This Italian roast right here, <laughs> that's it for the day. And then I'm, I'm, I'm off it. And the number one thing Peter King should do in his retirement, get blackout drunk. (laughs) Get blackout drunk. Well, the last time I did that, I was at Ohio University and I fell asleep in a snowbank. And luckily, (laughs) somebody woke me up. So, or else there would not have been the Peter King career. Peter, I want to add, uh, by the way, that you've got a lot of thank yous. You don't even know the role you played in my bizarre career, and you've laughed at my the trajectory. In 2004, before I got hired by SI, you and Paul Fichtemann took me to a Mets game, and you gave me the thumbs up to be your editor. Uh, huge mistake on your part. Uh, <laughs> and then I was part of the dream team with you and Paul and Don, and uh, nothing but amazing memories, and thank you. Yeah, we had some, we had some fun, Andrew, and you were great. Thank you were you. an incredible editor of the column. You're, you were very, very conscientious and you were very good because I used to file copy with 16 typos in it yeah. and then it show up and wow, your copy's so clean. I said, <laughs> yeah, I'm so conscientious. Well, I told Maggie before the show, like, no, no one wanted to edit you because everyone, like, if you made a mistake, Paul Tagliabue would call Terry McDonald and be like, hey, what's this that Peter wrote? So all eyes were always on your Monday column. So we put a lot of attention, but you were amazing to work with and it's such a great, and you're such a great writer too. Uh, I know a lot of people have been saying that, but I know we feel that way too. Yeah, and, and Peter, quickly, I mean, people have been saying this about you for a long time. Your eye for talent is amazing you you know you understand what great writing is you've seen and fostered and mentored so many great people 
Um, you believed in video too at Sports Illustrated, which a lot of people didn't. You were generous with your time when we were starting a digital video department. You've always been on the cutting edge of things like that. You've wanted the new technology. You've wanted to expand the circle. And not a lot of people are in that position. So from my vantage point, thank you for legitimizing in a lot of ways uh, what we did at SI Video and on the digital side. Because if you didn't buy in, nobody was going to buy in. And you did, and that made it, you know, that made it cool for the other writers to do it too. So thank you very thank much you, for Maggie. helping us. Hey, Maggie, one one last thing I would say. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. And if you're a young journalist listening to this right now, please diversify because you have absolutely no idea what the future holds. You don't know how stories are going to be told. When, it, when Emily Kaplan went to college, she lived in my town in Montclair, New Jersey. Emily Kaplan, now who does the stuff between the glass for ESPN, who we hired at the MMQB at Sports Illustrated. I told her, do something different every year. Do a podcast one year, write for the web one year, write for the school paper, do, to, do TV. You know why? You just simply don't know what the future holds. And that's really the advice I would give some young kids right now. Uh, Peter, thank you for this. We appreciate it. We're still going to call you, by the way. I, you might be retiring I, I may from not writing. pick up, but yes, you can call me. <laughs> We're still going to call you because, you know, we've got questions about Jerry yeah. Jones and the <laughs> Cowboys. Like, we can't exist without, you know, your expertise. Better idea. Lunch in Brooklyn. Met you, me, and Maggie one, oh, yeah. one afternoon soon. Let's do it. But no, Maggie likes Maggie likes being back in Jersey at 11 o'clock in the morning. She'll never have lunch in Brooklyn. Forget no, it. That never happening. Not even for you two. Uh, Peter, you're the best. Enjoy spring training okay. if we don't talk to you before then. Uh, thank Take you. Take care, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate that. Peter King. Wow. I know. Long time with Peter. Yeah, <laughs> you have no idea. The little post-traumatic 3 a.m. Andrew, I'm going to file another... 4,700 words on that Broncos win. I'm like, he's yes. like, I, yeah, I talked to I talked to Peyton Manning, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Gary Kubiak, Mike Shannon. Uh, the guy could talk to everybody and got great quotes out of all of them. So he was hard to edit because it was so darn good. I mean, and he's like coming up, you know, he's got the game-winning play, you know, what it's called, where did it come from, corn dog, a variation on corn dog. It's like you're in the locker room, and that was uh, one of the great things he did. I do agree. There's not going to be another Peter King because the industry's changed so much. Uh, you can't have – you don't have time to write like you used to for magazines. It's the economy of the industry has changed. So it's kind of – I don't think we'll ever see another Peter King, although Peter, you're right, he's – Every pretty much everybody who's good now worked for Peter at some point. I mean, he on he gets it. He totally gets it and is generous with his time. Uh, okay, eight five five two one two four CBS eight five five two one two four two two seven. So uh, Peter said that the Chiefs already have the answers to the questions about can they pull off a three peat. We'll dive more into that. Don't move, Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> The Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union, who proudly serves the Armed Forces, DOD veterans, and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, we are in the post-football Defensive Player of the Week era. Are we, though? I mean, Dante DiVincenzo could start at safety for the Bills. <laughs> the way he took out one of the Thompson twins last night. I never remember which one. Asar? It was Asar. Yep.
I want to play okay. for the Rockets. But let's talk about real sports and not Knicks Pistons. Uh, what That's is your there team. Any, Knicks are better than the your Pistons. team. We're talking about both of your teams, actually. <laughs> the if there anything below zero on the scale of what America cares about Knicks Pistons, <laughs> I would like to find that. Uh, it's got to be one of the tall guys in college basketball. That mm. is my Zach Eady. Zach Eady or the uh, that Creighton kid or are those Creighton lost? They got yeah. Or what is it? What's that team that has the two gigantic guys? Uh, I saw them play the other day. UConn. No, uh, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I maybe, just don't yeah, a lot. About UConn. There are a lot of tall centers. It could be UConn. There's a lot <laughs> of centers. Like Don McQueen, Philipowski. I have no idea. All of a sudden, I'm catching up. Actually, I think it's Creighton. It's the two tall guys, right? And they lost St. John's, right? Uh, also, so I, I think it's one of the seven foot college basketball centers. Is that uh, I specific think EJ enough? went to the NBA for this one. Okay. And I'm trying to read your mind, and I'm oh, coming up with... Wemby had a lot of blocks. Yeah, what do you do? Wemby, just to drive home the point that Perloff will likely be driving mm. to San Antonio to apologize to Victor Wembenyama for calling him Wembustyama. And this dude just keeps getting better and better like every month. So the defensive player this week is Jaden Ladee, who if you don't know who he is, you need to figure him out because he is... The star of San Diego State, a team went to the Final Four last year. They won on Saturday, beating Fresno State 73-41. They held them to 41 points. Uh, Jaden Ledee in that game had three blocks on his own, 11 rebounds. He is not a seven-footer, so Perloff, you're still wrong on that. Mm. He's only 6'9", but he's a ferocious oh, player in the paint. I don't know. It's in the genre. <laughs> oh, no, he's like a tweener. I don't even think he's 6'9", to be honest. But <laughs> um, but he's listed at 6'9". He had 22 points in the game as well, but uh, he really spearheaded what was a ferocious defensive performance. Fresno State shot just 24% from the field for the wow. game. And San Diego State, that's what they do to do. They just put you in an anaconda vice, and that's what they did to Fresno yeah. State. So Jaden Ledee. Uh, defensive player of the week and a player to watch in March. Yeah, you wonder why nobody wants to watch the men's tournament. Everyone's talking about the women's tournament. When you have to give us a Fresno State defensive player of the week. Well, what are we well, doing it was, here? It was San Diego State, not Fresno State. Sorry. I know. I'm just saying. It was ah, the final four on. last year. Don't tell me who I have to watch. Give me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm trying to win you some money. What are you talking about? I'm trying to help you. I'm telling you, hey, people who are not watching college basketball, Jaden Ladee, he's pretty good. Oh, Probably sure, an All-American. I'm sure Vegas hasn't adjusted to how good. <laughs> that being said, this NCAA men's tournament, oh, my God. Good luck filling out your bracket, EJ, or anyone. This is impossible well, at this point. Year, but I, no, it's so much different now. It's so much different. Well, no, it is different, but I was never close when it was the blue ones. <laughs> I don't want to pick the wrong Me one <laughs> Me too. in the wrong year. Yeah. So, I, I, listen, here's the thing about the tournament. I always agree with Seth Davis when he says the tournament doesn't need stars. It makes stars. It could be San Diego State. It could be uh, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. No. It could be St. Peter's. It doesn't matter. It's, no, it it's does. It's always going to be fun. It does because last year we had Miami, Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, and UConn. Yeah. I just don't think you're making as big a star as when there's, there's nothing even approaching uh, dynasty teams anymore. I think the Blue well, Bloods... UConn might win again. The reality is I think the Blue Bloods leaving the scene is going to hurt college basketball. I, I just, UConn's I, a Blue Blood. Yeah. yeah, it kind of is. I, I think the Final Four is important. I think what we've learned is people love the Cinderella's probably up to a point. So once you get to, like, Elite Eight Final Four situation and you're still having your Florida Atlantics of the world, that probably isn't the best for college well, basketball. take it up with Kentucky. I mean, oh, I know. take it up with that, the, 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 it's on It's on these teams to win. <laughs> well, turn the channel to the women's game where we got some names we know. I just think it, 
I, I do think Duke and North Carolina specifically are re- that kind of. I mean, they were they were both recently in the Final Four. It's not like they've disappeared all together. Carolina went to the finals, but I do yeah. think I do think that uh, you really kind of do need those blue buds. I agree with EJ. You love the Florida Atlantics, but you need uh, a couple. Kansas is to balance them out. Last year was weird. And UConn, UConn is a blue blood, but a technical blue blood. I don't know if they're the same same as Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke. Well, I mean, maybe it doesn't go back to the 60s, but it goes back to the early 90s. But I think there's that's not a lot good of, enough. Are there a lot of national UConn fans? I'm not sure. Where there are a lot of national Kentucky fans, a lot of Duke fans, North Carolina I think fans. When, when UConn is consistently sending people to the NBA, definitely. Eh, I, I disagree. I don't think there's a lot of UConn fans in Wyoming. Uh, well, maybe the women's team. I mean, between yeah, the, women's the women's team, team. Oh, and the men's yeah. team, I think that, you know, you kind of add them both together. I think they have such a huge national profile. And you do think household names in college basketball, I feel like UConn has had a lot of them. Kemba yeah. Walker, Shabazz Napier, Rip Hamilton. Um, Ray Allen. Ray Allen. Ben Gordon. Yeah. Mech Okafor. Like, these Khalid are. Khalid was the, awesome Yeah, Khalid yeah. Like, these are, like, what you think of college basketball, you do think a lot about those guys. I think there's a difference between them and Kentucky. I just think. Well, Kentucky yeah, goes sure. back to Adolph Rupp in the 60s. Yeah, right? I think there's a level below. And if you're talking about pros, I mean, you just had to pull out Shabazz Napier, who had a good tournament. But still, I mean, there's legends from Kentucky. Yeah, but you, I mean, that's more of, like, I think a, a recency Recent. thing. Because, like, UConn has had great players recently. Just they're. Blue Blood era started later. Yeah, also I don't know. They're also stuck in the sort of northeast corner of Connecticut. I don't see them as a national force. I don't think they drive ratings like Duke does, mm. obviously, or Kentucky. Well, maybe not, but I think ESPN being in Connecticut always helped a little bit. Yeah, too. I think the women's. that like, Now, the women's is exciting. But is UConn kind of that much off of, like, Kansas? Like, yeah, you, you, Kansas, keep bringing Duke, right. you, Kansas. you keep bringing Duke, UK, and UNC. I think those are the big three. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are Kansas. Well, UCLA yeah. should be in there, too, but they've kind does of. Does UCLA drive ratings like no, UK? I, I, I think, don't think so either. I think you nailed it. The top three is Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina. Then the next tier is Kansas, UConn. I, I'd put UCLA in there. Who else is in that list? Gonzaga. Gonzaga's getting there for mm-hmm. sure. But you're right. They're, they're, and I think Duke is actually it's alone on a tier. How about Michigan State? Yeah, they're struggling right now, right? Izzo's on his way out. I mean, the other thing, North Carolina and Indiana, historically. If Duke's not there, they're like the Yankees. Is it, does the whole sport suffer with Duke not being a championship team? Maybe. Andrew Bogish has headlines for us. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Uh, And apparently Kenyon Martin hates George Carl more than I hate the NFL's fumbling through the end zone rule. (laughs) That's impossible. uh, Well, wait for it. Carl was Denver's (laughs) coach from 05 through 13. Kenyon was there for most of those seasons, all of which ended in early playoff exits, which Martin blames completely on the coach. How we get to the playoffs every year wasn't because of you, dude. We made the playoffs. It wasn't because of you. We talent got us there. You, we got there in despite of you. Like you were handicapped to us. If we had a different coach, we win a championship. You were handicapping us as a team because you think you more important than us. Canyon also threw in a bleep you and bleep the horse you rode in on. Uh, he was on Gilbert Arenas' podcast. I don't mean to laugh. It's just a visual of George Carl on a horse. <laughs> Seems possible. Uh, Carmelo Anthony was on a different podcast recently and said Carl called him overrated. Martin didn't like that either. Brown had a hell of a rookie year, but Melo led his team to the playoffs as a rookie. So, and the Western Conference was a lot harder at the time. So, how is this guy overrated? Yeah. And how you compare? So you are so coming in right, and this is. 
He did it there. He did it to Boogie. He did, like, this is, you got your mind made up about guys before you step in the building. Good times. That nugget yeah. reunion. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no wonder they don't bring those guys back to well, the, I mean, the championship celebration. Think about the Denver Nuggets. What's the first thing they did? They gave 15 to Jokic. I mean, they maybe didn't know who, what Jokic was going to be, so that's even worse. It's like you end up giving it to a second-round pick from Serbia, who we're not sure if we're even going to see, and they gave Melo's number. I mean, obviously, there's, like, some other things going on within the organization in these guys. The George Carl stuff, though, I saw George Carl re- reacted to that, the the Melo thing. I-, I always thought what George was doing was trying to motivate Melo, like, oh, you're not this, you're not that, kind of like... um. Like, try and do, like, a Belichick with Brady. Mm. Like, I get Johnny Foxborough to come over and make that pass. Like, you know, Mello was just off a national championship. Maybe he was trying to take him down a peg or whatever and try to motivate him. Like, oh, you're not one of the greats. I think the problem, though, was that as someone who followed Mello the Knicks, that that criticism continued after Mello left. And he talked about they were better off when they had those other guys because they were more of a team. And it seemed like he couldn't let that go, which mm. I think is why there's this animosity from Kenya Martin, who feels like there's something personal there. I, I wish they would figure this thing out and, like, just squash this because I think those were semi-enjoyable teams and, like, the dialogue and the discourse with this team is no longer enjoyable. It is vicious, as you heard from Kmart there. I mean, even the Legion of Boom doesn't go this far. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, they clearly have issues. Anyway. And Carl keeps doing this, right? Doesn't he keep saying things about the Nuggets, about yeah. the NBA, angering everybody? And it's weird because he's coached a lot of other teams that got, I guess, closer in some ways, but like he doesn't seem to like talk about those Bucks teams had so many issues. We should have went further, or the Sonics. He always seems to harp on the Nuggets situation, which <laughs> I don't know what that's about. But yeah, to me, by the way, I, 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 George Carl could do no wrong because he coached my favorite team of all time. That's the, the Houston Cougars, the '96 Sonics. <laughs> oh, oh right. my God, the 2024 <laughs> Pistons. Like, the second you guys say like the 2000, the Carmelo Nuggets, my mind just goes completely blank. That is as forgettable a team as I think there is in the history of the NBA. The Sonics teams are amazing. Yeah. Uh, actual NBA action last night. Miami won in Sacramento without Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, 121-110. That's four in a row for the Heat. The Nets smoked the Grizzlies, 111-86, and the refs screwed the Pistons out of their ninth win of the season. A non-call let the Knicks score the winning points with two seconds left for a 113-111 final at the Garden. The 49ers still need a defensive coordinator. They've already interviewed Brandon Staley and passing game specialist Nick Sorensen and Kyle Shannon expects to meet with at least three more candidates, which is why he is not at the combine. And the Buccaneers are releasing Ed's rusher Shaq Barrett with a $15 million roster bonus looming next month. I, By the way, I can guarantee something that would make people upset and maybe EJ really upset. What if the Niners fired Steve Wilkes and hired Brandon Saley? What is your reaction to EJ Stewart? Oh, <laughs> That would be my reaction. <laughs> That's like a Bellotti reaction, just groans. Oh, man, isn't it funny that they're interviewing Brandon Staley? I don't think that, I think they want to hire this other guy, Nick Sorensen, but that is that is comedy. Is that the former Chiefs no, safety it's, Nick Sorensen? So no, it's it's related to him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It and, took and, us like five minutes to figure I think it out. They five real-time minutes. I think, and I kept thinking that they were related, but then I looked it up and it looked like they weren't. Even they're not they related? Both, they both were like... White safeties who played yeah. around the same time, but they don't—they weren't related somehow. Which that's impossible. You're talking about Nick Sorensen, Nick and Daniel, right? I was looking Frickin for the I mean, you know, they're right about everything, right? I kept waiting to see the reference. Oh, hey, his brother played for the Chiefs, and or cousin played for the Chiefs, and it just never came. And I was like, I guess they're not related. 
Um, I mean, we never, it's hard to tell, but it's Daniel, right? Was the Chiefs guy? Or what's yes. a, oh, yeah. yeah. You never actually saw his face because you always <laughs> saw that 49 running backwards as his wide receiver ran into the end zone. <laughs> Daniel Sorensen was like, a, he was like Ryan Gosling in Remember the Titans, just always getting burned. Oh, like, my I'm God. Wait, I couldn't wait, believe I'm just waiting for P to come in to take him out, to take out Sorensen. I'm like, Is he handsome, though? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I don't know. He's always under a helmet. Ryan Gosling was the worst defensive back in the history of football movies. He couldn't cover <laughs> anybody. And then he was right just on, following orders. And Wait. then right, right to be Ken. Have McDonald. you ever seen uh, people break down Vince Vaughn's running style and Rudy? <laughs> oh boy, it's even worse than Ryan Gosling because he's like he's full six four. He doesn't bend down at all. It just gets walloped every time he gets a carry. Maybe that could be our next great debate. Instead of the best, the worst. The oh, wee character oh. athletes. The guy from Blue Mountain State or whatever throws the pass. Oh. Was that a bad one? No, there's uh what's his name? Taylor is it Taylor Lautner, right? In one of these movies he, he you've seen that famous clip of him throwing a football and he's is a that quarterback. Maybe, I think that's bad? what it is. Yeah. I think that might be Valentine's Day, that movie with Taylor Swift and all of them. Oh I'm pretty sorry. sure that's the movie. Oh no. That might be I've the worst that. quarterback I think we've seen in a movie for sure. Yeah. Bad sports can ruin any movie. One of my favorite movies of all time is called Botskiat with Jeffrey Wright, who's nominated for an Oscar this year. He shoots a basketball in that. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Him and Benicio Del Toro go to shoot baskets. I'm like, you're ruining the entire movie because your form is so bad. You've obviously never, you're an actor. You've never touched a basketball in your life. you got to be careful. I think we should definitely do this worst performances. I mean... Uncle Rico could spin it, by the way. Can we talk about him for a second? <laughs> he looked like a oh, real quarterback. No. While well, you're watching an art film. <laughs> could Uncle Rico spin it? I don't know. Now that guy was in all the was in um White Lotus. I oh, think of was? him differently now. Oh, nice. I guess I don't know. Does Ryan Gosling count those? I think he yeah. was purposely trying to be bad. But I thought his, he sort of picked up his play his, through the season. No, in the championship game, he's like, hey, like I suck. You gotta put Petey in. He's much better. Because Petey got benched, essentially, because he didn't want to go in the game. He did a Scotty Pippen. And then they put Ryan Gosling back in the championship game. He's getting burned again. And he's like, Coach, you got to take me out. I'm oh, right, good. right, right, right. I can remember. <laughs> but this is the wrestling problem. It, it feels like EJ doesn't realize that this is a movie. And yeah. like, anything was happening because yeah. like, yeah. he was told 100%. to do that by a script. Like, it's not real life. It wasn't a documentary. But the actor could protest and be like, no, I'm not going to be this bad. Look, Ryan Gosling 2020s is not doing that script. I guarantee you. They tell Michael B. Jordan to throw an interception on Friday Night Lights. He's like, nope, Nope. I'm not throwing that. And they just couldn't complete the scene. They're like, fine, you get a completion, Michael. Uh, Ryan Gosling is making sure he's Jason Seahorn in a new version of the River Titans today. uh, Here's your second Houston Cougars mention of the update. They're now number one in the new AP poll, the fifth school to get there this season, partly because they beat Baylor over the weekend. Uh, Those Bears in number 15, a 62-54 win at TCU last night in U.S. women's soccer, losing to Mexico and California two-zip to finish group play at the Women's Gold Cup. Both teams already in the knockout stage, so the result really means nothing, but it is just the second time Mexico beats the U.S. The previous time was way back in 2010. Guys, back to you. We're slipping. Uh, all right, coming up, thank you, Andrew Bogish. Coming up, uh, the biggest question that's going to be answered at the Combine. We'll get to that next. Maggie and Pearl off CBS. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio. Welcome back. Maggie Gray, Andrew Perloff. Running backs in the NFL, Perloff. It was a huge story last year that a lot of them were getting, you know, frankly, kind of insulting contract offers or just getting Mm. straight up franchise tag. That does not seem to be the case this year. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler, Derek Henry. None of these guys are going to be franchise tag, according to the insiders. But that's a a negative. None of them, no team wants to spend the franchise tag on these guys because they, they look back last year and say, why did we tag Tony Pollard in Dallas there's no way that guy gets $10 million this year. No, but to be fair, that's a Monday morning quarterback. We just had Peter King on right. because at the time, everyone thought, ooh, Tony Pollard yeah. is ready to step up into this role. The fact but, that he accepted the tag, signed it quickly, kind of saved the Cowboys a headache. Right, but now tags are too expensive, and there's that's right. why – because I think the running back value is as low as ever. So let's uh, let's answer this question. Out of that group I just gave you, Saquon Barkley, Josh yep. Jacobs, uh, Tony Pollard, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, who do you think – would be the biggest difference maker for a new team, or maybe they could resign. Who do you think will be the biggest difference maker next year? Well, I don't mind. Diff- <sighs> this is tough. Be Saquon will get the most money, so I guess he's the biggest difference maker. But I don't want him. I mean, I that- think the answer is Josh Jacobs, and that's that's the answer. Josh Jacobs. Yes, I think Josh Jacobs. If if mm. if it were me, I would want Josh Jacobs now. I think that he is has an ability to run between the tackles. Yeah. He can also catch passes. Josh Jacobs is shockingly young. Yeah. Um, we can play this game if you want. I can tell you how old these guys are, and it's going to... 25? 26. I mean... That's not young for a running back. I think that's... You're one year away from the magic number, 27. <laughs> well, I don't know how long I have to sign. I think the number's not 27. I think it's more like 29. Ooh, I don't know. Ray Rice was 27. Well, there were other things going on with Ray but Rice. But if he was younger, there wouldn't have been other things going on. You know how the NFL works. If he's 22, then he's back in the NFL. Well, I, I'm I, just saying I, that, that generally... That situation got a lot, a lot more complicated. I'm saying there's a cliff. At tw- I've heard 27 is the number 30 for wide receiver. Uh Here's the thing. You look at a guy like Josh Jacobs. He averaged three and a half yards a carry last year. Well, on a terrible team. So what? Put Josh He's... Jacobs on the Baltimore Ravens next year. You don't think that's going to be a weapon? Why are they going to pay for Josh Jacobs? They don't need. They don't need to invest there. This is something that's plagued the Ravens year after year. Is the their running backs always get hurt? Yeah. And you need a better run game out of them, and instead, a lot of it falls on Lamar Jackson. I think that the I don't I don't want to pay for any of these guys. I know I'm ruining the point of this. I honestly, Derrick Henry is fascinating to me because he's such a weirdo. He's such a freak. He's such an well, uh, he exception to every rule. He's thirty, but he's an exception to every rule. Or twenty-nine, I, think, I guess. I think all the teams are looking at these price tags. They're saying, "Wow, you know, the Lions use a first-round pick on Jameer Gibbs, and he's the most explosive player in the league. He averages five point three yards per carry. Yep. Different situation. They have David Montgomery to be the bell cow, and then when they want to get some yards, they put in Jameer Gibbs." So I, I think I'd almost rather have a rookie than any of these guys. I know it's not a great rookie class, but I go young and ch- I stick young and cheap because none of these are real solutions. Josh Jacobs, you have to pay 
pretty good money. Is he really going to be a difference maker in Baltimore? Is well, he any different than Gus Edwards and all these other guys? I don't think you're actually going to have to play, pay big money here. I, if it's if it's seven eight seven eight million dollars, I'm willing to do that. That's not breaking the bank for me. For depending on what team I am, if I'm the Houston Texans and I just have come off this mm-hmm. great year, and I love Devin Singletary, and I wish the Bills had kept him, but that's neither here nor there. I want to help and make sure that C.J. Stroud continues to make strides. Of course, you need another receiver, but I, you're telling me that Derrick Henry can't help them? Austin Eckler couldn't help them at the goal I just line? Think, I just think that we all we do it so often, we always overestimate the free agent running back. I'm just thinking last year, everyone's like, whoa, Dalvin Cook is the missing piece on somebody. And I even I said, <laughs> you know, it's just you cannot underestimate how how little impact these veteran free agent running backs have made historically. No, you're right about that, but we're no longer in the Le'Veon Bell getting $40 million to go to the Jets. We are so far from that. Even Dalvin Cook, had barely any money was a waste of time. It just does not seem to work no matter what you do. The running backs on their second team so rarely make a difference. Well, I think we are going to see... Besides these guys, which is Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, I think they're all going to find homes. But, of course they are. But uh, I think you're going to see this boomerang back to taking running backs in the first round is no longer going to be maligned. Because, to your point, Perloff, taking a running back anywhere after 10, 15, whatever, you just have them on these cheap contracts for the first four years with a fifth-year option. And then after that, you don't likely want them back anyway. You know, you just said it's the second contract for these running backs where things get hairy. So we, as the media, generally, you know, lambast and lambaste teams that take running backs in the first round, especially in the top 10. But I think you're going to see it a lot more. Yeah, I mean... Number eight for Bijan was probably rich. Problem is, this year is not a great running back class. I looked at Kuyper's big board from last week. Jonathan Brooks out of Texas is still number one on his big board, and he tore his ACL in the fall, like yeah. kind of late in the fall. And then Trey Benson is number two. He's the only guy I've seen on a mock draft. It's a hard year for first-round picks. Last year, there were two studs. So I love this theory, and I like five years of control. I'm not sure the player is there this year. You know, a lot of people think Tony Pollard, who we spoke to yeah. at the Super Bowl, will be heading to your Philadelphia Eagles. I like it. Kellen Moore is your new <laughs> Why offensive not? coordinator. Uh, DeAndre Swift was fifth overall in the NFL last year in rushing, and he wasn't even really full-time the whole season. So I don't know. I Again, I like it, but I'm a fan as a cold-hearted analyst. These veteran free agent running backs never work, Maggie. We always do this mistake. You're right. Go for the rookie. Coming up. The craziest part of the Patriots dynasty, the director of the dynasty, Matthew Hamachek's going to join us next. It's amazing, Doc. We'll get into the nitty-gritty next. Maggie Perloff. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.